Welcome to the podcast of Heavenly Vision, where our vision is to reach, save, strengthen, and mature. One of the ways we do that is by sharing the weekly message to fuel you, the listener, for the week. So if you can grab your Bible and notebook, you're going to want to take some notes. Are you on the go listening to this? No worries. The key points and scriptures are in the show notes. We pray this message blesses you. Last week, Bishop introduced us to the sermon series called I Am Legacy. And he spoke from the vantage point of being a transmitter and or a receiver. Bishop pointed out that there will be times where we will all be either or, a transmitter or a receiver. But he challenged us that when we are transmitting to make sure that we are speaking something of substance. Y'all didn't hear that. He challenged us to make sure that when we are speaking, that we're speaking something of substance. It's later for the petty conversations. It's later for the backbiting and the two-faced conversations. It's later for the hate. Start speaking something over somebody else. Speak life into their situations instead of speaking negativity. Speak God in their life. Start putting God on it and watch him do some things. And he also challenged us that when we are receivers, we need to make sure that we're attuned in to the correct frequency. So that when someone is speaking something of substance into our life, that we can receive it. But not only do, should we receive it, but we should receive it with humility. That's the long word for humble. So be humble in all things. This week, I decided to take us just a little bit deeper. I'm going to give you the definition of legacy as it was provided to us last week. And it is the amount of money or property left to someone. Now, just to give you a little bit of background on the word legacy, the word legacy has a Latin origin, and it comes from the word legatus. The word legatus means the person delegated. And based on my understanding of the word legacy, you are designating something for future generations. I was okay with that definition, but God told me to go a little bit deeper. He said, look a little bit deeper. And in my discovery, I was able to uncover that the word legacy also has a Greek derivative. And the Greek word for legacy is pronounced kleronomos. Kleronomos means heir. The word heir is defined as a person who is legally entitled to the property or rank of another upon that person's death. A second definition of the word heir is a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. Now, once I found out that that was the definition, I immediately got happy. But then, almost instantaneously, I got discouraged. I got discouraged because I remembered last week the bishop also stated that a true legacy is not built by the one who bears it, but by the one who transmits it. And in my mind, I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, then I'm doomed. See, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of, of, of DeMarcus history. My original perspective on the word legacy was based on biblical representations, which I thought had, a, had just a father passing on something to his son or, or you know, his daughter. And I grew up in a situation where I didn't have my dad. And so 
I didn't have my dad, and I thought immediately, once I have children, I'm not going to do to my children what my father did to me. I thought I escaped it because I tried to be ever-present in my children's life. I thought that I had escaped the legacy of my earthly father. My earthly father denied me from the time I was born till I was four when the state of Kentucky forced him to take a blood test. That's me and my dad. Anybody looking at that picture would say, nah, you don't need no test, bro. I look just like my dad. Last week, Bishop told us that a legacy is not the tangible things, but the intangible things like words and and memories. And then again, I got discouraged. And looking at the relationship that I had, I got nothing tangible from my earthly father. Nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing. However, I did get a bunch of intangible things from him, like past hurt, generational curses, empty promises, and broken appointments. Not to mention that I didn't meet my father until I was 21 years old. And he was dead by the time I was 24, turning 25. I told him as he laid in a convalescent home at the age of 50 that I didn't want anything from him. I had, a, I had been blessed by God at that, particular moment, at that particular point in my life to pretty much do what I wanted. I was a homeowner at 21, owned multiple properties. I had money in the bank. I had nice cars. I could travel. I could do what I wanted to. And I told him, I said, I don't want anything from you. I just want a relationship because I have a void. I have a void that you left and there's nobody to fill it. I sought relationships with my uncles and, you know, I used to hang out with my friends and their dads used to take me places and things like that. And it still never quite filled that void. By the time I, I, he was getting ready to pass... It was sad because I had started to really generate a genuine love for him, not because of what he did in the past or me getting over it, but just because he's a man and I'm supposed to love him. And that's where I came from. And, and that's I, I got to find I got to find out my history. I need to know so I can pass down something about him to my kids so that I can increase the depth of my legacy. I never held a grudge. I just didn't ever understand how you could walk away from your own kid. I'm going to pause here before I keep going in the message, and I'm going to tell you something. Fathers, regardless of the situation that you go through, never allow anything or it to keep you from your children. Too many of us don't want to be involved because we're scared of the legal system. We don't want to go and we don't want to go to court. We don't want to be involved. We, we, we would rather just stay in our corner and not even have to deal with the hell that's coming out of that lady. But one thing that I learned this past weekend is instead of fighting back, pray for. Pray for and see how that changes your relationship. There's too many broken boys out here acting like they men and they don't know how to treat the ladies that are coming up. And now we got a bunch of broke women who are actually girls because they didn't have a father in their life to help raise them either. We have to break the perpetual cycle of brokenness. 
It has to start with us. So you young bros that are in here right now, regardless of if you're sexually active or not, I'm going to tell you this one thing. Hold out till you get married. Hold out until you get married. You young ladies, hold out until you get married. If you haven't already and you, you made a mistake, that's fine. Guess what? You belong to God. We had testimonies from ladies who were raped at eight years old, turned around and was, got in church and then got raped again at 18 at a conference. But guess what? God healed her. He kept her. And now she's selling millions of records all across the world. You'll never guess who it is, and I'm not going to tell you her story. I'll let her tell you to you herself. But we have to stop. We've got to break it. We're talking about legacy right now. We t- what are we passing on? Are we going to continue to pass on brokenness? I used to think when my son came up and hugged me and my kids, they, they made fun of me. My, my youngest boy, he's five. It was six. Thank you. I got too many. He comes up to me and he says, Dad, can I have a hug? And in my mind, I always try to hug him. I always try to tell my kids I love them. Then this one day, my older two boys, they always, Dad, can I, Dad, can I have a hug? They try to talk like my five, my six-year-old. Dad, can I have a hug? And then they do my voice. No. <laughs> and I swear, I, never, I did not remember doing that. Because I never wanted my kids to feel how I felt. Not ever hearing a man tell me that he loves me. My father? Not ever telling me that he loves me? My mom did a great job, but there's still something. There's still something. So men, never be afraid to tell your kids that you love them. Every day. Kiss them. Even if they are boys. My wife pushed back sometimes, but she understands that they're babies. He's still, he's six. And I would rather me tell him that I love him and him see it for me than to end up in a situation where he's being molested and seeking for love from somebody else and just accepting things from people that he ain't got no business accepting things from. Because I'm telling you, it is out there and he's seeking to devour our children. Because if he can stop our children, guess what? There'll be no more generations to come after us. Because they've completely turned their back on the church. So we've got to love them. We've got to embrace our little girls. We've got to give them hugs. We've got to tell them that we love them. Because there's so many women out there that are seeking love in places that they shouldn't. It starts with us. Even if you don't have a biological... Step into somebody's life and just tell them, hey, you know what? You're doing a great job. Good job. The one thing that shouldn't keep coming out of the mouth of church people is, oh, man, you messed up. Oh, you suck today. Oh, man, who dressed you? Because guess what? Then they get discouraged. And if if you rejected them over here and and their daddy is rejecting them over here, then they're going to go to somebody who's not going to reject them. And Pootie out on the corner going to put him on a stroll. And we're going to try to have an intervention after the fact. After the fact. My wife always tell me it's best to prevent than to apologize. 
It's always better to prevent. Don't put yourself in a situation. God revealed something to me. He says, son, go and read Galatians 4.1.7. And this is our text to focus today. Because I was still broken up until this past weekend. Galatians chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. I was still broken. I still had hurt that wasn't healed. And when you're dealing with things where you haven't necessarily healed them, then you have to compartmentalize those things. And guess what? Too many compartments end up taking up the whole space. And you have no space to love how somebody is supposed to truly be loved. If you guys make sure you're at Galatians, if you have your word, you can stand. You can use your, your phone, your Bible. We're going to really try to get back into making sure that everybody has a Bible. It's great to have a cell phone, but what about when the battery dies? Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7, it reads, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to elementary principles, Remember the verse where it says, when I was a child, I thought as a child. That's what it's talking about. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you no longer are a slave, but a son or daughter. And if a son or daughter, then you are an heir through God. You can have your seat. You see, no matter your past or present, no matter whom you were born to or where you once uh, were born or you decided to give your life to Christ and accept him as your savior, you secured your place as a joint heir to the throne. So a few moments, for, for a few moments, I want to speak to you about claiming your crown. I'll give you a little backstory about the book of Galatians. Paul wrote the book of Galatians, and it is, in fact, a letter written to the church at Galatia in or around 50 to 52 CE, which is common era. That's after death. The letter was beneficial to the congregation because it demonstrates their freedom in Christ. It is made plain that it is by the faith that one is declared righteous and that you don't have to do any crazy rituals to serve God. Now, see, what was going on when Paul wrote the letter was the church at Galatia, they were battling between the Greeks and the Jews over whether or not circumcision should be mandated and be law. And so when Paul wrote the letter, he was letting them know that, hey, you can have salvation Without all the extra stuff. So if you apply that to current day situations, you can come to Christ as you are. I don't need you to jump through no hoops and tell me how great I am and 
to buy me a private jet and to do all of that just to secure your, your salvation. No, the Bible tells us that once you accept Christ into your heart and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you are saved. Now, in order for joint heirs to get to our place on the throne, we must have an order of succession in place. An established order of succession is the normal way of passing on legacies from one generation to the next. So one thing that we have to do as a culture is we have to start beginning to prepare, not for today, not for tomorrow, but we need to start preparing for years down the road. One thing that came up in the conference was, you know, the, the, one of the preachers was saying how well off his wife would be if he were to drop dead and die today. He's established a system and order of succession to make sure that his wife had a choice whether or not she could work or not. His children's children, children would be taken care of by a decision that he made that day to prepare for their existence. Same thing. I felt good when I was there because my wife, little does she know, if anything happens to me, my family's taken care of. We have to stop thinking that it's okay to be in situations where we have to do dinners or, or we have to sell car washes or we have to beg, borrow, and plead with people to take care of our loved ones when we have ample opportunity to do that right now. The only thing that we have to do is begin to become more disciplined. To understand that it's not just about today. God has everything in the palm of his hand anyway. As long as you're committed to him, you're living the life the best way you can, and you're conscious of what can be, and you're preparing for the possibility, then you're covering your bases and your family is covered. It's later for the days where we have to sit back and we have to wonder how we're going to eat or how we're going to get these lights turned on or how we're going to figure out what we're going to do next. No, we've got to be preparing right now. Establishing a will is one way that you can ensure that your family is taken care of. I want to share with you three things that we must do in order for us to claim our crown. The very first thing is We've got to have faith. Galatians chapter 3 verses 25 through 28. You don't have to stand or, or you can go there if you want, but it'll be, it'll be up on the screen in just a second. It says, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. Through faith, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither no male and female, for you all are one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. See, the promise was initially made to Abraham. And if you read the scripture, it tells us that once we accept Christ in as our Savior, then we become joint heirs to the throne. So you've got to understand something about legacy. There has to be an established figurehead that takes one day and says, you know what, I'm going to do something different. 
I'm going to make sure that my family has means to do whatever their hearts desire. But we have to make sure that we're operating in God's will or it will all be for nothing. We all know that faith is defined as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you want to read the full full scripture, it's Hebrews 11 and 1. In order for you to lay claim to your crown, you must believe that without a shadow of a doubt that God is real. You must also believe that Jesus, the Christ, is real. And you must also believe that the Holy Spirit is real. You can't have one without the other. And there's many religions that are out there right now trying to profess one without the other, two without the other one. No, we believe in the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You must also understand that it is not an easy walk. When you decide to pick up your cross and follow Christ, you have to give him everything. Because guess what? Once you make that decision, it is going to be a bunch of tests. You can't talk to one person that declared Christ as their savior and they have been through absolutely nothing. I've yet to find one. I can speak from, exi- from, from personal experience, all the hell I've been through. A lot of it was by my own choice. Because, see, that's the thing that people oftentimes forget is the fact that, yeah, God gave us free will. We can make our own choices. And sometimes those choices that we make, instead of us walking that straight line to the blessing, when we decide to look at, oh, 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 oh girl over there, yeah, I'm going to look over there and, and, and get distracted from my goal. Guess what? Now I got to go this way. And I got to go all the way back around, which I've just added years upon years to my journey. And I still got to answer for wavering from my path. I don't get get a freebie. There's no pass for that. You still got to go through your testing, your trials to be able to get back on course. But you just deterred your blessing years. So we got to understand that once you declare Christ and you decide that I'm going to follow you, you're going to start to develop your faith. You've got to understand that it's going to get real tough. There will be times where you may begin to question things like, why is this happening to me? Or you're looking at other people's lives and, and you feel like I'm faithful. I work in the church. I do this. I do that. I pay my tithes. I try to live the best life that I can live. But I see Pookie them over there, Pookie in the streets, Pookie selling drugs, Pookie got a Benz, Pookie got a house, Pookie got stacks on stacks on stacks. And I'm over here struggling. I got to live paycheck to paycheck. And I'm still holding on to your promise, God, that you said that that if I were faithful over a few things, you would make me a ruler over many. So here's my question to you. Does your faith match your capacity? We'll reverse it so it'll hopefully sink in. Does your capacity match your faith? Is your faith way up here, but your capacity to be able to handle the blessings way down here? That means that you're not working to make sure that there's balance in your life. 
There's too many times that we sit back and we think, I've been prophesied over to God knows how many times standing right here. And I look over my life and I, and I, can, I can verbatim repeat what he's told me. And I'm like, God, I'm ready. No, you're not. God, I'm ready. No, you're not. God, I'm ready. Almost, but not quite. Just a little bit. Go through this one and let me see how you handle it. Figure this out. Smile through it. Stand up and shout. Proclaim me to be God while you go through that hell. So somebody that's going through something similar, they have something to stand up on because they have, their faith may not be where yours is. You, you've been in this for a while, and, and we got a couple infants in Christ that are coming up, and, and they watching you. So, so let's see if we can balance that scale a little bit. So does your capacity match your faith? So if you are in your life right now and you're trying to figure out why I'm not getting what I'm supposed to get or why I don't have what I'm supposed to have, then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34, it tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I can look back over my life and I can tell you in a lot of, cha- a lot of decisions that I made, I didn't seek God first. I went off of what my carnal was telling me was the right thing to do. And so I stepped out there, and it may have felt good at the moment, but I didn't get all I should have got out of that deal. That probably wasn't even a good deal for me, even though it looked lucrative. It, it, it probably wasn't even the best deal for me. I learned one thing down there. Another thing when I was down there at the conference, it was, all right, men, when you get ready to answer something emotionally, check yourself. When you get ready to enter into any type of decision, check your feelings. Neither happy nor sad, doesn't matter. Check your feelings. Compartmentalize those feelings. Don't keep them in here. Take them feelings, acknowledge them, put them on a shelf. Then get in your word. God, what would you tell me in this, in this situation? Let, 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 let me find a, a scripture that will help me to be able to handle exactly what I'm about to go through. You can apply that to any area of your life, dealing with your wife, she getting on your nerves, y'all arguing. Before you open your mouth and you respond emotionally, check your feelings and put them on the shelf. Get in your word and find a good way to respond. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. She was trying this weekend and I'm still trying to respond off of past and I had to check myself. I had to realize, yeah, you know what? She's trying. And a lot of times we get into those situations because we don't open our eyes and see that they're trying. That goes both ways. That goes both ways. How many of us can look back over our life and see our handprint all over the decisions that we made? And then if you examine that, how, how many of those decisions do you see God's hands all over? Because I guarantee you, if you look back on it, a lot of us have more of our sticky fingers on top of it versus God. So what we have to do is we have to let him do what he's going to do. So you have to sacrifice your carnal and get in your spiritual. Because when, we got, when we're faced with a decision where our faith is getting questioned, where we, we know we should... 
We, uh, should I pay my tithes or should I pay my gas bill or, 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 or should I buy these groceries or, or should I do this with my money or, or should I do this or should I do that? Pick up your word. Drop to your knees. Sit back and close your eyes. And begin to have a conversation with God and ask him to lead and direct your path in a way to where you can get the answer that you need. But I promise you this. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God and you put him first in all things, you'll never be in a situation where you have to decide whether you're going to pay your gas bill or pay your car note. You clap for me later. It ain't about me. It's about if you actually realize even, even myself coming to the realization that, yeah, them new J's is fly, but, hmm, it's about half of my ties right there, Jesus. Uh, and I'm going to keep it all the way transparent. I bought a bunch of J's. I bought a bunch. I got, I got hundreds of J's. I still paid my ties, but I had to reorganize some things, and that's the problem. See, we try to settle with God too much. We, 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 we try to negotiate with him like, you know, like, yeah, you know, Jesus. Uh, I, I, I want to pay my car note, Lord, and all I got is enough to make sure that I, I got yeah, to take something out of my tithes to be able to cover my. Pay your tithes. Pay your tithes. Pay your tithes and watch him pay off your car note. Try him and see. Try him and see. And I'll make the bold declaration. If you get in your word, and it's evident in your word, if you try him and he fails you, whatever he failed you in, I'll cover it. You think I'm worried? I ain't worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried because God is. God is. You put, you put whatever words you need him to be after that. God is that. God is your redeemer. He's your multiplier. He's your savior. He's your provider. He's your comforter. He's your friend when you ain't got none. He's your husband that you waiting on. See, uh, I'm, I, 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 I tried him. And he's true. I've tried him and he's true. And I can tell you that, that you have to make sure that your faith stays intact. Even in a world that we live in today, we have to make sure that our faith stays intact. Regardless of what the it tries to do to us. And for those of you that missed out a little bit earlier, we're talking about it. We took the power away from it. And now we call him it. No more him. No more devil. No more none of that. It's it. That's, that's all it gets. That's all it gets. And after this, that's all he got. Because we're not going to focus on it. We're going to focus on him. To increase your faith, you have to increase your works. The word says that faith without works is dead. So, yes, you may feel like you're doing a lot. But is it what God wants and desires for you to be doing? If you don't seek him first, you can spend 30 years in the ministry Working and serving the church and totally miss your calling because you went where you wanted. But didn't go where God called you to be. People think it's easy to stand up here. 
I'll hand it over. I'll hand it over. It's not easy being here. And I promise you this. Once you decide, it's no different. It's no different for me. Well, it's a little bit different. And I'll tell you why. Because I have a charge that I'm, in, I'm responsible for souls. So as I stand up here and I proclaim the word of God, I'm responsible for what comes out of these lips and gets into your ears. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm responsible for that. So it's a little bit different for me. But when you heed your call, remember that. The moment that you take up your cross, there's a little bit more weight on what it is that you do and you don't do. And you got to make sure that you understand that you're going to be accountable for everything that parted your lips. Everything that came out of your mouth, you're going to be responsible for. But I promise you this. If you try, God, ask him. God, show me where you want me to be. But know that when you ask him for that, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. And it just might be in a place where you feel extremely uncomfortable. I call her my other other because she's my wife's cousin sister. She gets extremely uncomfortable standing up here. But what she doesn't know is God's getting ready to elevate her to a place to where she's going to be permanently in front of people. I'm telling you guys now, what you have to understand about God is he's going to push you to your limit. He wants you to be uncomfortable because guess what? In uncomfortableness, there's growth. And if you're never uncomfortable, then you're standing there being complacent and then you just, you just there. 30 years, we look back and you're still there. If you have no, absolutely no ambition, no desire to grow, then you're not serving the God I serve. You putting your interest in front of his. So when it feels like it's a little bit uncomfortable, step out on faith and know that he is God. You got to step out on faith to get something different. See, what we forget is we all know the definition of insanity. I'm going to start it. Y'all finish it. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a what? I tried. I tried to trust y'all, man. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. How many of us have been in situations where we, we get up, we put our shoe, our pants on the same way, we put our T-shirt on, we tuck it in our drawers, we put our outside shirt on, then we put our shoes on, and then we go downstairs, we do something else, and then we do the same thing every day, that routine. And then we begin to wonder why God ain't moving in our life the way he said he would. You have to examine what it is that you're doing on a daily basis. And if it's not working, if you're not getting the expected result, do something different. If you put your right leg in your pants first, start putting your left leg in there. If you put your T-shirt on last, put your T-shirt on first. If you pray in the same spot every day at the same time, do it differently. Go to a different spot. Pray with your wife, your husband, your kids. Do something different so you can get a different result. You can't expect God to move in the same stale situation, even though he can and he will, but he's expecting more from you. He's expecting you to realize that he is God 
and you can't give him the same stale hand clap you gave dude outside when you coming in here to serve him. You got to do something different. And when you do something different, he's going to expand your faith. And when he expands your faith, guess what? He's going to expand your capacity. And so when you start to feel or you start to think about why am I not being blessed, look at your faith. See where your faith is at. What am I doing to expand my faith so that I can increase my capacity so I can finally get that blessing and I can breathe for a little bit before this next storm comes? Because the one thing I learned about life, you either in a storm, you're getting ready to go in one, or you just got out of one. And it's a big old circle. Why you think that everything, seven is the number of what? Completion, right? But then we talk about the sun. What shape is it? Circle. What shape is the moon? Circle. What shape is the earth? Circle. What shape is my wedding ring? Circle. It's a continuous cycle. And so you get an opportunity to figure out, okay, am I doing this the right way? Am I expanding my faith? God has, to, has a plan, and growth comes, for, again, from being uncomfortable. And if you want to expand your capacity, just make sure that you are expanding your faith. To claim your crown, you must first have faith, and your faith will dictate your capacity, and you have to demonstrate to God you have enough faith in him to wear the crown. Everybody say with me, claim my crown. crown. Second thing we have to do is we have to sacrifice. Before I even get into the scripture, I'm going to tell you all something. There's nothing that you can sacrifice down here that will match what he sacrificed thousands of years ago. So, 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 So if you're missing out on something, guess what? He sent his son down on earth to walk here for 30 plus years. Missing him. He, he could talk to him. You know, they had their conversations. But it's nothing like just being there and you can rub elbows with him. So he sent him down here, sacrificed time. And he paid the ultimate price for you and I to be able to stand here today free. Can you imagine the world that we would live in if he didn't come down here and die for, the, for our sins? We probably wouldn't even be here. We still be in some slave pit. We still be trying to figure out what we going to do, how we going to get out, where Moses at for us. We got to figure it out. So we got to sacrifice. Romans 8:13. For if you live according to flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. If you notice, there's, there's, there's a pattern with these scriptures. Thank you. The pattern with the scriptures, it talks about, yeah, I'm bald, I shine, my bad. They filming, so I got to make sure. Get my good side. But there's a pattern with these scriptures, right? And it talks about starting out as slaves and then going through a process of being free. And then after we free, then we have the opportunity to be adopted. And that's the best feeling in the world. I keep going back. And I was in in my room last night, and and my wife was asleep. And I just broke down and I cried because it hit me. To share with you guys my testimony about my experience with my father. 
And then I got, I started to rejoice at the fact that, yeah, I had that void. But once I accepted Christ into my life, once I decided to heed the call, he filled it. He filled it. I don't feel that emptiness that I felt before. I can stand before you today and I can actually tell you that I am healed from that hurt. So, so, so there's, there's, there's no room in that situation for the enemy to be able to try and play tricks on my mind. Because why? I've, I was able to heal that place. So we have to make sure that on a daily, the Bible tells us that our flesh has to die daily. One of the biggest things, and, and my phone is over there, but one of the problems that we have in this world is these dang on cell phones. People say what they want to. I got it. You can have a flip phone. You can do whatever. But I guarantee you, if you look on your phone, you got access to the Internet. And one of the things that we have a problem with is the, is the ability to kill off things that will keep us focused on God. If you dedicate any time to something that's keeping your focus off God, it's too much. It's way too much. You can't sacrifice your flesh every day if you open up Instagram and you got this butt naked girl standing there shaking it in front of your face. Or you join this Beard Game Matters group and you looking at dudes with beards and bald heads and all kind of stuff. I know about it. See, that's the thing that we have to do. We got to remember, we've got to, we've got to call those things as which they are. We can't stand here and sugarfoot around certain things. We got to call a spade a spade. It got to go. It got to go. You can't give him any room to have room in your life because guess what? That moment you, you, you let him stick his little stanky toe in there, he going to slide his whole foot. And before you know it, he done crept in there. He done crept in there and he done took over everything. There's a scripture where Jesus Christ was walking up and they were at a cemetery. And there was a guy that was living amongst the dead bodies. And he was, they, they called him a madman. And that madman was going around, he was naked, buck naked, just running around acting a fool. Jesus was walking by, he gave him that side eye like a daddy do. What is your name? He said, my name is Legion, and we are many. What you got to understand about that scripture right there is once you allow the enemy to come in, and you think it's one thing, God, my God, you think it's one thing. It's going to start with that, with that booty-shaking girl on Instagram or on Facebook. But then it's going to turn into an addiction to porn. And then it's going to turn into something else where you're going out and you're doing something that you ain't got no business doing. And then you're going to end up behind bars behind the fact that you didn't cut the enemy off when you had the opportunity. So when they tell you, you got to listen and you got to read your word and you got to read, you got to actually read to understand, not just read to read. Because when he tells you that we... Are many. That means that he's not coming by himself. He's not coming by himself. So it may start with porn. And then it's going to escalate to something else. And that's another demon that's coming up in there. And then it's going to escalate to something else. Now you got three demons and they're going to keep on multiplying. And so you got to understand something. You've got to sacrifice your flesh 
daily in order for your faith to expand, in order for God to know that you're really serious about your relationship with him, so that one day you can put a claim in for that crown. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm, I'm putting away. I, I was telling, I was telling uh, we was talking, somebody was sitting by me, and I was telling them, man, you know what? I'm about to go on a social media hiatus. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? The only thing I like is the fact that the media team put my picture up there. That was it. My wife will tell you now, and this is one of the biggest problems that we have. And the next point I got, y'all really going to love it. But one of the biggest problems we have in, in our culture is the fact that our relationships die because we don't communicate anymore. We spend too much thumb doing this. Ooh. Instead of having this conversation where I can really understand your heart. I tell her all the time, don't text me. Pick up the phone and call me. Let me hear your voice. Because what do we do? What do we do when somebody texts us? You try to hear it in their voice anyway. Oh, she said this. We about to go in. What? And I do it all the time. She sent me something, and I'm so used to her having some type of twang to it. So I'm going in like, yo. I used to be like, bro, read this. Tell me what I should do. What, What do you think? And then I stopped and I just went in too. I'm like, what? You? And she was like, all I was doing is asking what you wanted for dinner. What do you mean? What do I want to eat? You ain't going to feed me? You trying to tell me I'm not, I got to go get my own food now? I'm just saying what you, what you, what you want, what you, what you want me to cook? You want to eat in? You want to eat? Go get something. Oh, my bad. But that's because I didn't let my flesh die. Because, see, if I would have killed off those old memories of how we used to interact, then when she came at me brand new that day, then I would be able to see without the scales on my eyes exactly what she meant by what she was saying. But we get so lost in that technology. I'm telling y'all one thing. We show you this ain't even the good stuff that they letting us have right now. Because if they can send a satellite up there and they can tell you who's in your house. And we cool, we cool with the retina vision on the iPhone. Y'all better stop telling them people where y'all at all the time. I wasn't always saved. I had a pass. You put where you at, and you out of town, and them jokers know you ain't at home, and they know where you live. You'll get it when you get out of here. Standing as an heir to the throne, you must allow the Holy Spirit to reign supreme in your life. You cannot be an heir to the throne of God and allow things of the world to have influence. So when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, all of your priorities must shift. He must be the head and not the tail. We cannot get caught up in the distractions of the world because this is what the it wants. It wants you not to focus on the goals that God has set for you. From social media to cell phones, even including past relationships and hurts that have not healed. To claim your crown You must die to your earthly desires and yield completely to God. Last point, communication. James 4, 3 tells us when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. God doesn't give us what he has planned for us because we may spend it on our passions. Wait a minute. 
What does that got to do with communication? You telling me that you want something, and you're not being completely honest with me about it. So when you lie to me through your prayer, because you're not revealing your entire heart, then I'm going to yield that and not give it to you until I feel that you're ready. See, God will answer every prayer that aligns with his will. A lot of times the things that we ask for, we do not receive because, again, they don't align with his will for us. We have to work extremely hard to make sure that we understand what God's will for our life is. And the only way to do that is to communicate with him through prayer. We communicate through prayer. And I'm going to tell you three things that your prayers have to be. The first thing is your prayers have to be transparent. We know that God is omniscient. He knows everything. He's the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. But guess what? He's wanting to see if you're going to be truthful with him. Are you really going to open up your heart and tell me why it is you're asking for what it is you're asking for? Or are you going to try to mask your true intention behind what it is you're asking for? So if we don't sit up there and be transparent with God, guess what? That blessing is never going to come. Because you're not ready. You don't trust God enough to tell him the whole truth. So ultimately, deceiving God is another form of lying. Wait a minute. If one of your kids would lie to you, what would you do? Not just withhold something from them, but I was, I was of, the, of, the, of the age where I got beat. And I promise you, one thing that you don't want to happen is you don't want to be whooped by God. That's one whooping you really don't want. When I can tell you I was up here, I'm telling you I'm touching money, I'm traveling, I'm doing all of this. But the one time I decided to do something that I felt I wanted to do that went against the will of God, he said, all right. Now it's gone. He didn't have to, he didn't have to, he didn't take my J's. He, he let me, he get, he. He, he let me have them. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm really serious. Thank you. But he took my car. He took my houses. He took my money. And he forced me to realize something, that I wasn't being real with him. I wasn't telling him the truth. I could have simply said, God, I don't want to be in this anymore. Fix it or remove it. It's that simple. But we overcomplicate our lives because we figure we got the best answer. We know how to do everything. We got it all figured out. But instead of going to God and saying, um, I know I shouldn't have did this in the first place. So can you fix this for me, please, Daddy? When Juju comes to you, Ivan, he says, Daddy, uh, and he gives you that, that look. And you go right in your pocket and you give him exactly what he wants. It's the same thing with God. The moment that you become vulnerable with him, the moment that you expose every area of your life to him. Number one, because you're exposing yourself to him and you're giving him all of you, he's going to align your will with his. And there's nothing that he will withhold from you as long as it matches his will. The second part of communication. Talk to him like you would your mother and your father. Too many of us try to use too many big words. Oh, God, you're omniscient. Oh, heavenly father, 
We love you today, Jesus. Please, with all of your abracadabra, Lord God, we thank you. He wants you, he wants you in a situation like this. No, we sit down, brother. Dad, you know, I was going through some things and I messed up. I shouldn't have did what I shouldn't have did what I did, and I'm sorry. Can you please forgive me? Nope. <laughs> you know I love you, and. If you work in me, if you remove those things that I was doing, I don't, want, I don't want to do that no more. It was dumb. All I was doing was trying to impress these people that I, I shouldn't even try to impress. And I know that I got to pay for what it is that I did, but if you please forgive me I, and, and work in me and through me, you know, I'll do my best not to make that mistake again, but I need your help. I need you to help bail me out of this situation. And I know it, I've asked you before, and I know I've done it before, and I keep doing the same thing over and over again. But the great thing about it is, Dad, is that you never left me. You never turned your back on me. You never stopped loving me. And I'm really grateful for that. But if you can help me in this situation, and then don't whoop me, because it really hurt the last time. And so I don't want to be hurt like that no more, but, 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 but uh, I, I know I got to make up for it. So please forgive me, Dad. Will you forgive me? Thank you, brother. It's that simple. It's that simple. You don't have to do these cartwheels and flips for him. All he wants you to do is have a conversation. Figure out what you did wrong. Confess your sins to God. Ask him for forgiveness. But here's the caveat. Here's what a lot of us don't do. We don't try to not do it again. There was something that I learned in the conference as well. And I'm telling you guys, it's a lot of stuff. Our brain has a bunch of different chemicals in it. And so whenever we experience pain, we try to overcompensate with some other type of pleasure. And so after a while, all the hurt, we keep getting hurt, we keep getting hurt, and we keep trying to put this pleasure in there to try to overcompensate for that hurt. And so that's why we smoke weed, because it helps us not to feel. That's why we go out and we sleep with these dudes, because it helps us not to feel. That's why we overeat, because it helps us not to feel. But what we got to understand is, is God is the ultimate healer. He can take away your pain. And you ain't got to replace it with no pleasure other than him. I'm telling you, we've got to understand that having that conversation with him, you can trust him with, your, with, with everything. And that's the last point, and then I'm done. When you communicate with God, you can't have any secrets. We talked about transparency, right? But again, a lot of people think that just because I don't talk about it, it means, hey, I didn't really have to say it, so I'm going to keep that in my hip pocket. He knew you were before he knew you before you were formed. He can give a name to every hair on your head. He can tell you what you're going to do before you're going to do it 2 years from now. Because he made you. And so he knows everything. So no secrets. No secrets. Apply these same three principles, transparency. 
have an open, honest relationship. Talk to them like, you're their, like they're your mother or your father and no secrets. Apply that to your relationships at home. Be transparent with one another. Hold back nothing. If it hurts, it's going to hurt anyway. It's going to hurt whether you tell me now or I find out about it later. But the sting of it may not be as harsh if I, if I find out about it now. We can deal with it. But what does the Bible tell us? That everything in the dark comes to claim your crown. Claim your crown. Everything that you've been through in life doesn't matter. Because the moment that you accepted God as your, as your Lord and Savior, you, you invited Jesus Christ into your heart, you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, that is the moment that you became an heir to the throne. But here's the thing that we all have to remember. You don't get access to the throne until you're worthy. I'll say it on this side. You don't get access to the throne until you're worthy. That means that you have to have faith. That means that you have to sacrifice. And that means that you have to communicate with God our Father. And you have to be completely open and transparent about everything. And then watch him move in your life. God bless you. Wow. That's really all I can say. If this message has impacted your walk with Christ or even gave you a desire to establish a personal relationship with him, feel free to reach out to us at amen at hvcla.com. We want to hear your story. And if there is any way that we can help, we want to be there. We love you. Have an awesome week.